Hello and welcome to the Mission Inspire podcast, a production of the National Medal of Honor Museum Foundation. My name is Mo Barrett, a leadership speaker and retired Air Force Colonel. In past episodes, we've talked to museum board members, historians, relatives of recipients, and even Medal of Honor recipients themselves. But we've never had the pleasure of speaking with a recipient's spouse, someone who's had a front row seat to the heroism and sacrifice of some of our nation's greatest heroes. That's why this month, I'm very excited to welcome Christina Valentine, wife of Medal of Honor recipient, Command Master Chief, Britt Slobinski, and surviving spouse of Special Operator Senior Chief, SEAL Thomas J. Valentine, who served at the Naval Special Warfare Development Group. Christina serves as a Gold Star Ombudsman for the Naval Special Warfare Community, and in 2009 started the All In, All the Time Foundation, supporting Gold Star families and service members. Recently, Christina has taken on a role as Associate Director of Recipients and Veterans Relations at the National Medal of Honor Museum. Just last month, Christina's husband made the decision to donate his Medal of Honor to the museum. Thanks to the generosity their family, future generations of Americans will soon have the opportunity to learn about Command Master Chief Slobinski's story of courage and sacrifice and be inspired by the traits embodied in the medal and the brave individuals who earned it. With that said, it's my pleasure to welcome Christine Valentine to the Mission Inspire podcast. Christina, welcome to the Mission Inspire podcast. We are thrilled to have you join us today. Christina, you have had an amazing life in and out of the military. You've had a decades-long corporate career in the restaurant industry, committed yourself to Gold Star families, starting a foundation to support surviving spouses and children of our fallen warriors. Aside from making me feel like I'm lazy now, so when did you first encounter military life? Oh, well, first off, Mo, thanks so much for having me. It's a true uh, honor to be with you today. So military life, I was probably seven or eight years old. My parents were diplomats and I was, we were living overseas in Africa and we had uh, a Marine Corps security detachment on the embassy. And that was my first encounter with the military. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a Marine in a uniform. And, you know, the, I've got that picture of that uniform when they stand at the embassy and you're just like, wow, right? Just stunning <laughs> uniforms, stunning men. And that was my first interaction with the United States military and, and a lifelong um, interaction with them. As long as we lived overseas, we always had um, sure. some sort of security attachment. So that's how I, I also swore I was never going to marry anybody in the military too. Wow. And then we will soon find out that uh, you didn't follow through on that promise a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But so, so, so looking back, um, Aside from having the jealousy that they weren't Air Force um, security detachment people. So wh what do you think it is that's so inspiring about those who serve? Oh, that's a heavy question. Um, it's that absolute selfless commitment to others that I see when I speak to somebody from the military. Because you raise your right hand and you swear an oath to defend every citizen, 329 plus million of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Day in and day out of your service, you, do, you swear to defend them and all the ideas of our great nation, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, everything that it stands for. And you do that with knowing that there could be great peril to yourself, great risk of life. You could lose your life doing it. And yet right. you do it again every day. You sign up again over and over again. And I just find that act of love. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know how to define it. It's a tremendous act of love for millions yeah. of people that are never going to know you. That never knew right. you while you were serving, but you did it over, right. and over and over again. 
right? So that's an amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that yeah. that's really powerful. And it's and like you said, there's a lot of people that the the service members are raising their right hand for that not only may not realize that, but may not appreciate it definitely to the level that you've appreciated. So that's very powerful in that sense too. And speaking of love, your husband Tom, who raised his right hand and served in the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, tragically perished in 2008 in a training exercise that he was preparing, I believe, for what his tenth deployment overseas. He was preparing for. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for so many people, it is unimaginable to lose your partner in that way. So, when you lost your husband Tom, where did you turn for support? Well, unfortunately. Uh, we had already experienced some losses in our community, and uh, one of the gals that notified me um, mm -hmm. was already a gold star, and she was my rock, and she was a dear friend who knew Tom very, very well, um, and we'll connect that story. It's a very powerful story, but um, I turned to her because I had actually six years prior helped her bury her husband, and mm -hmm. then six years later, she's at my doorstep telling me about Tom. And then uh -oh. she's walking me through that. And then, you know, we were already friends, but I mean, that, that bond there's sure there's nothing stronger. And I really leaned on her a lot, especially when I couldn't hear, couldn't see and couldn't think during that really dark time. Um, she did it for me and that's what I needed. That's and awesome. There was a couple other gals that, you know, came in from, they were in other parts of the United States already. And they like within hours, seemed like they were there like okay here's what we're going to do here's how we're going to do it and this is you know this is the plan and that's what i needed i needed somebody yep. like my light might pull me through this and get me on the other side so that i can so i can just try right exactly just that one step at a time I and mean, for a lot of people who don't know i mean i think we've all seen that picture of the flag in the window and there's a blue star or a gold star but i think a lot of people don't understand that there's a difference in that color yeah, and the blue star typically means that somebody is overseas and serving our country um somewhere else and then the gold star represents somebody who has lost somebody in service and so i think that's important we i think we we use their we hear the term gold star quite a bit but right. people need to understand that that means that a gold star family is a family who has lost a service member, not just yep. somebody who's away from home. Um, but what I appreciate is from that grief that you suffered and saw other people suffering came a passion for helping people who are going through that same kind of loss. So you started the All In All The Time Foundation that supports these gold star families. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started that? So. Uh, all in is all the time is basically one of one of Tom's primary monikers. That was his mantra. We were all in all the time, whether it was at home in our personal life or in his professional life. That's how we lived our life, because doing the jobs that um, he was being asked to by his nation required nothing less than that. There was no way we were going to survive if we were only half in. He wasn't right. going to survive a deployment. Our marriage wasn't going to survive um, this constant battle tempo that we were under. And so all in all the time was this personal mantra we had. And then I never re I knew that it existed within the teams, but I didn't realize how powerful it was. I knew what it was for me. So in 2008, when Tom died, um, you know, I'm going through this process. We would experience four more casualties within Tom's troop. Wow. That we were very close to, and it was a succession. And I realized instantly that we, we weren't 
we, we weren't, we're never prepared for casualty. Let's just be honest. It, it, it shocks mm -hmm. the system. Um, and it's not nothing, no matter what we do, we cannot really be prepared. So we were having these, uh, we lost two on September, one in August, two on September 11th, and then another one just shortly after that. And the shock to the troop was enormous. And Tom has already been gone for several months, but I saw my, my troop, Tom's troop, which, you know, was my troop. These were my family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I knew I had to do something. And we had some inequities within the um, service organizations that helped gold stars. And that's where I'm like, see a need, fill a need. And Good. that was being all in. So let's go in and let me, it was very, very defined at first. And I was only going to do it for a little bit of time. And now here, <laughs> 14 years later, we've had, unfortunately, a tremendous uh, series of losses. And mm -hmm. every time I have wanted to say, okay, it's time, it's, it, it's time to uh, cycle out of this. Something happens. And I'm like, nope, here we are. Right. Yep, I, nope. It can't not ever exist. It has to be there for us to yeah. do right by those families. Yep. And, and we provide our primary mission at all in all the time foundation is immediate tragedy assistance. So uh, citizens around the country reach out. How can I help this family? They come to us and we, we put a fund together and those proceeds go directly to that family. Um, and we help guide them um, through experience on yeah. the best way to navigate all the challenges, emotional challenges, financial challenges um, that they are going to experience. And another thing that we're currently embracing now that, I, and I know it's a hot topic, is brain health. We know that yeah. we have a lot of issues with that. And um, I have- in All the time. And I think there's a, a huge life lesson, even outside the military. I think so many people are distracted by notifications and the watch and all these things that are distracting us that we don't give our single focused attention to any one thing at any one time. So I love that all in all the time can be bigger than just, you know, helping gold star families. It's about just how we can live our life. So that's a great mantra. And I love that you and Tom have that. So, before, um, you know, yeah. Tom would ask his guys, you know, at what level are you willing to participate in yep, what we're I saw. And that was that all yep. in. So that was, that's how it came to bear. So I love that. I yeah. love that. So that's, and I, and I love, of course, that in a military community, everything's an acronym. So I love that your website is an acronym that captures all yeah. in all the time. So yeah. well done. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. So now when you were a young girl over in Africa, looking at the, the Studley Marines and you promised yourself you would never marry a military man and you did. And then um, I'm sorry what happened to Tom, but then you found love again. So how did you meet Medal of Honor recipient and Navy SEAL Britt Slabinski? Well, oh, that's a that's a beautiful story in and of itself. Um, oh, cool. So in 2002, uh, after the action that Britt would receive his medal for, the, the teammate he went back to get was Neil Roberts. Neil Roberts okay. was married to my best friend, Patricia. And oh, wow. he brought Neil back when Neil returned and we buried Neil. I, I buried Neil for Patty and oh, wow. helped her through that process. Um, Tom and I did. Um, that would be my first interaction with uh, Brit, 2002. Um, life would go on. The battle tempo increased. Everybody's out doing their own thing. Um, and then 2008, uh, some six years later, um, Patty and another close friend and the Master Chief would appear at my doorstep to notify mm. me that Tom had been killed. So that was my second collision, my, you know, my second interaction with him 
And then it would be uh, quite a few years later. Uh, uh, I don't even remember the year. Um, and our community had really been suffering a lot of losses. This is after extortion, which was really hard for our community. The, the helicopter, we lost 31 SEALs. Yeah. And um, it was quite a few years later, I was uh, walking um, and I physically ran into him. <laughs> physically what? ran into him. And I had my had my head down in my phone, right? Like, like everybody else, yep. I was walking and I walked into him and I said, oh goodness, I'm so sorry. And I looked up and I saw him and the first thing I said to him, I said to him, you look terrible. You look awful, <laughs> is what I said to him. Nice. Said, oh, great to see you too. And then that, that was the end of the conversation. Um, that was a third collision. And then a few years after that, um, we would uh, see each other in an event. And that pretty much started, um, our, I guess, our courting, if you will. Yeah. So we had um, operated in the same hemispheres. He and Tom were actually very good friends. Um, oh, good. Community. So everybody really knows each other. But, um, it was with a, a, a certain amount of trepidation that I decided to enter into another relationship. I pretty much resigned myself to, you know, this is my life with my two kids yeah. and we've got, we've got other priorities. And then I'm so, but I'm very grateful, deeply grateful. Oh yeah. Yeah. You guys are a great team. And so I love that. And, and you've definitely had a unique journey as a military spouse, but for yours has definitely been a lot more challenging than, than for most, but being a military spouse is not an easy job. And like we talked about the people who raised the right hand and the people who are serving in uniform, we, we sometimes forget that those families are also serving. Yes. So yes. what has been a military spouse been like for you and how has it shaped your family and your values and your career? Well, we're, we're steadfast, devoted patriots. That's mm -hmm. what our military service. I think you have to be in order to be in this line of work for as long as every, when, especially 20 years. I mean, you are a dedicated um, steward of this great nation when you continue to serve over and over and over again. Um, right. We are, our family is very grateful very grateful for the service of everyone else. And um, we only played a small role in it, but I, I believe it was a positive role. And my children mm -hmm. continue to serve um, in different capacities. They're in school, but you know they support a lot of the nonprofits and a lot of the uh, races and runs and events that are out there raising money for veterans and, and gold stars. And we have just um, embraced the fact that we are very fortunate to be Americans and live in this great country. And it's the right thing to do is to serve yeah. our country yeah. and to serve if even if we're not on active duty how to serve um to be good citizens that's right our job is to be good citizens well and that's a, that's a great reminder that there's all these different ways that we can serve no matter what capacity or no what what you know chapter of life that we're in there's a way right. to contribute way way to serve and so right. i love that you're passing that on so you and Britt have two children is that correct? collectively we have three he has a son from his first marriage and i have two um okay with tom Awesome. And so that's, that's got to be a challenge in and of itself. But so can you give us a, a rundown of all the family's time with the Navy and maybe some family members, uh, fam sorry, favorite memories that other military families would relate to? That's a lot of words. But like. <laughs> Well, for us, you know, we've had a very non-traditional career because SEALs don't, during the war, yeah. we didn't go anywhere, you know, and we are the Army and the Air Force and the Marine Corps, they're moving, you know, they were moving around, but the SEALs, we were you're either in Virginia or you're in California or you're in Afghanistan, Iraq or somewhere else, right? So 
obviously they're not taking their families with them. So we did a lot of non-traditional things. If uh, somebody was leaving before Christmas, well, then the Christmas tree went up and we had Christmas early. If they were going to be home a month or two after Christmas, the Christmas tree just stayed up. You know, so we just celebrated, we appreciated the fact that um, these could be our last days. Whether we mm-hmm. said it out loud or not, we really took to heart that if you're going into a conflict zone, combat zone, right? Stuff happens. Um, yeah. and you don't want to talk about that stuff. So we really made it, um, made the decision to embrace the fact that every day we were physically together had to be a good day. So again, we would do Christmas in July, you know, Thanksgiving <laughs> in February, whatever it was. And we took a right. lot of, um, the kids skipped a lot of school. Don't tell anybody that, that they skipped. Yeah, no, never, never, because we realized that we weren't going to be able to be together when most people had spring break or Christmas break. And so it was like, Hey, this is our spring break. This is our Christmas break. And we're going to go be together. And I have not a single ounce of regret doing that now, particularly good. the outcome, right? A couple of times. Right. I'm like, well, and then I'm like, you know what? They're going to end up being good citizens, good people. And because they missed a couple extra days of school, it's not going to, but I'm really grateful yeah. for all those times where I'm like, Hey, we're going to punch out because you can't ever get that time back. Yep. Yep. You don't want and that's, I mean, just that, that, yeah, just that intentionality, I think is so to, to be deliberate about that time spent together. And like you said, the life lessons they are going to get from not being in, in class that couple of days, everybody can Google it. All the other books start, you know, book smart stuff. So just Google that kids, but you're learning a valuable life lesson about values and just being intentional about how you spend your time and appreciating the time that you have. So yeah, I, I would fully support taking your kids out of school yeah, for that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, because you just don't know. You just really yep. can't, you can't, uh, can't, can't predict the future. So you have to just embrace your here and now. You have to live right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Well, and like you said, all in all the time. And that means right now, not, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So well, and you, and you kind of, go ahead. No, no, after you. Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to move to another question. So. <laughs> Well, you, and you kind of alluded to this too. It's like when, especially when the SEALs and the special operators are out on missions, a lot of times communication is very limited and not just because not everybody's on iMessage or whatever, um, but for operational security reasons, communication is limited and that has to be really challenging. So how do you get through those kind of situations and what advice do you have for spouses or any family member who finds themselves in a uh, communication limited situation? Well, so particularly in the beginning of the war, when we uh, when we we're going into Afghanistan, we had you know no forward operating bases. And when Tom left, he's like, "Hey, there's nothing there, so don't expect to hear from me, and I don't know when I'm going to be home." So I'm like, "Okay, mm-hmm. so it was almost a hundred days before he came back from that first operation. Wow, right, right around maybe it was ninety. I can't remember. Um, and I'm like, okay, I got one letter while he was gone, but I also." Um, was fortunate enough to know that Tom was really good at his job and that if he was worried about me at home, he wasn't going to be focused on his job. So it's like, Hey, I'm good. And if something, if it's really, really bad, then I'll reach out to the command, but I'm going to reach out to my, my layers of friends before I reach out to you. And it was hard. I know for a lot of families, that lack of communication was hard, but by nature, the SEAL community, the special forces community is supposed to be quiet. We're not supposed to talk about our stuff. And sometimes that means we're not supposed to talk to each other. Um, as mm-hmm. things progressed, communication became a little bit better, but it wasn't, um, 
it was, I wouldn't say we ever had a consistent schedule. It wasn't like he called home every Sunday or every Wednesday. He called right. when he could. And um, I, we just found ways to communicate. Uh, he would write letters when he could, you know, they'd be months behind. And one thing I did that I found very helpful for Tom um, was I journaled. And when I, mm. prior to him coming back, you know, if I, you, you would get kind of an idea during a, uh, a wife's brief that they would sort of maybe be coming back around this general time frame, And I would right. put the journal on the bird, send it out there. So he could get it. He could get caught up in everything that we had done while he was gone and the schedule that he was going, the kids had when he returned so that nice. he could integrate back into us because he had been so focused on mission, right? So on point, right. so on target. Now he had to come back, turn his switch off and be a dad again, be a husband again, be a friend again. And, and I know that uh, that can be a struggle for some folks. You know, that op tempo is hard. So here you go. Here's what's coming down the pipe. Here's when the trash goes out. Here's when soccer practice is. Here's when swim lessons are. Here's our day. Smart. And that really helped us. And I figured that out after our second deployment, that that's what he needed. And that's what I needed because I was like, I got this. I got this. And he was like, I know you've got it, but I want we to got it, us to got it. And that's when I learned that lesson. And we started doing that. Wow, that is really smart. Yeah. I really like that. That's a that's a brilliant idea to like like because you talk about people like when somebody deploys and they come home, you know, they may leave before Christmas and they may leave before the holidays and they come back and to them it's just one day later at that that home right. life. So right. what up? That's a great tip. That's a great really tool well for our family. So hopefully, yeah. And you know, and again, we're getting we're transitioning sort of into a peacetime effort right now. Um, in the event, I hope not, but in the event we transition back into some sort of thing, we have to be prepared that wherever our service members go, they will not have FaceTime and Skype right. and all that kind of stuff right. available. And so the families just need to be patient with each other and not be frustrated because it's just, it's not a, it sounds like it's easy to set up and I've never done it, but it sounds like it's easy to set up an operating base, but I would imagine it's not. I would imagine it's very difficult to insert troops into a country and do what you need to do. Yeah. And then communicating well, it, at home isn't a priority. It's communicating right. on the ground where you're at. So, well, and like you so. said too, like he, when, when the service member gets on the ground, they have a mission to do and Absolutely. they probably don't need to know about the f that the student got or the you know the trash Completely. they don't need to know all that drama at home and so that's a very selfless act on your part to to realize that they have a better chance of coming home when they can focus on their mission and then come home and focus on the mission and the fact that you can step up and say i got it at home but also to be um selfless in the fact that when you get home when he you know when the service member gets home you can say okay i've had this but now we're going to get this together and to, that's a great way to integrate that's, i, I that love that really i love that. great yeah. tip thank you i love thank that so now you've got Britt, who's received the Medal of Honor, and I know that is a life-changing event because you've got, I, we were talking before we hit record, you've got invitations and you've got events that you need to travel to and events to speak at and memories to relive. So kind of re, re, having all that come back up again, I know that's got to be overwhelming. So I'm just a little bit curious, what is maybe a week? What's a snapshot of a week life like in your, in your all's life, you and Britt and the kids? Uh, Pre-COVID, 
Well, so the kids are <laughs> older now. They're all out of high school. They're in college working. So they're kind of doing their own thing as they should. They're experiencing mm-hmm. their life and growing and whatnot. So Britt and I are usually on the road by ourselves. Um, uh, Pre-COVID, it was pretty hectic. It would be um, events back to back, maybe travel on a Sunday, get to something on a Monday, uh, sometimes a two-day event, travel on a Wednesday, be somewhere for an event on a Thursday, Friday, travel back. Sometimes we didn't even go home because of just the way the travel was. Um, Every one of them, a wonderful experience. Uh, So that is not a complaint, the travel piece. Every time we were on the road to go somewhere, it was with the hopes of lifting and inspiring and sharing. Um, The recipients will all tell you that this is a tremendous burden that they carry. um, And it's a huge responsibility. And if that time with those folks, veterans, school kids, doctors, leadership, whatever, helps um, inspire, lift, um, expand the conversation, then it's worth every minute that we spend on the road. Every veteran interaction is one I cherish. I have made some lovely friends over the years and people that, um, and so I would not have met had it not been for that um, really bad day in 2002, you know, that would come back so many years to us and give us an opportunity to engage. Britt wasn't done serving and and neither was I. So this has afforded us an opportunity to serve in a different capacity um, with a heavy heart. Right. Well, and speaking of the new capacity, you've recently started a new role as the Associate Director of Recipients and Veterans Relations yes. at the National yes. Medal of Honor Museum yes. Foundation. So yeah, what, what's what's super that? Excited. What's the what's the work involved there? So a uh, brand new museum. We don't have a museum dedicated to the Medal of Honor. Um, it's going in Arlington, Texas. We're hoping to be open yeah. in the fall of 2024. Uh, it's a three pillar process. We're going to have the brick and mortar museum. We're going to have a National Leadership Institute and we're going to build a monument in Washington, D.C. And the goal of those three pillars is to uh, inspire America, to bring them in and hear the stories about people who raised their right hand and swore an oath and what transpired on a certain day Mm -hmm. in their life. Um, And it's going to talk about all the men and women that were around them in each one of those actions, all the ones that Um, didn't make it home. And hopefully it will um, just show how every American can go out and be a great citizen and and do the right thing. And you don't have to be in the military to have courage and you don't have to be in the military to do something brave. We have brave acts and courageous acts happening in the United States all the time. And it's just a place to for people to collectively come together and um, hopefully walk away with some stories about um, recipients that uh, really had some challenging upbringings. You know, people really, yeah. right, and, and found that the military did this wonderful thing for them and then found that they, they experienced a crucible moment um, one day somewhere and the results of it. Um, So my role there is to help build uh, relationships with our veteran community and Mm -hmm. to um, ensure that our 64 living recipients have a conduit to the museum and we can use that to have shared experiences, uh, develop programs that they are very passionate about and 
have a platform for which they can go out and continue to uh, share the message and inspire America. I love that. And and you brought up another valuable point. You're putting all these valuable points. I love Thank this. You. But I, I think so often we we focus on just a a single act that resulted in the um the re, the receipt of the medal of honor. But you also talk about there's a lot that goes into how somebody reacts in a crucible moment. So to look at somebody's whole life story before during and after that event i think is is a really important point to make and so i love that the museum is going to focus on not just one specific event although that's important to know what happened in that crucible moment but picture right right because there's a snapshot in time but there's so much that leads up to that and so many lessons that people can take away from everything what shapes how you do that so i love that yeah now and of all these events you know the brit was really um uh, the boy scouts are really uh a cornerstone that led to him making the decision that he made. Uh, and Gary Luttrell will tell you, if you watch some of his, he's a recipient as well. Um, mm-hmm. He's talking to a, a group of teachers and he said, I, you're, you probably have a student or two or you've experienced a student, student or two who are really troubled and they just get so frustrated. And he said, instead of pressing them down, lift them up because I was that student. I was nice. one that was trouble and I was on a path of self-destruction, but I had one teacher lift me up and then Love his it. life changed. So yep. it just will inspire all kinds of people to maybe take a step back and say, maybe just one more bit of kindness, one more bit of right. empathy. And you, you just don't know how you'll change the trajectory of a person's life. Right. And it takes one person with one yes. interaction. Agreed. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so speaking of one important action, at a recent event, Britt took off his ceremonial medal that only a few people, like you, then President Trump, and Britt have only, like the few people who have touched it. And you have gifted it to the museum. And that is such, again, such a generous and gracious gift. But can you tell us a little bit about the decision about why you guys decided to give it to the museum? Absolutely. Um, That medal does not belong to Britt. And he will tell you that. And you can go back and listen to him um, at all kinds of events that he's been to. That belongs to the men that were on that mountain that day. The DNA of so many people are embedded in that metal and that belongs mm-hmm. to all of them. And to stick it in a shoebox, put it in a closet, to pass it down to a family member who it doesn't belong to any one person. So it needed to go somewhere where and it's the nation's medal, so it belongs to the nation, and it should go back into a place where everybody can see it, everybody can look at it and be like, so it's a, he's a caretaker. And so the decision to give the medal hmm. to the museum was always the right decision. It was never never a question about where it was going to go. Thankfully, the museum decided to, uh, to appear. It wasn't on our radar in 2018, so thank goodness it came after that. Um, but it, once we knew the museum was going to come to bear it was like that's exactly where it has to go it has to be because nice. the museum will be a lifelong steward of that medal and all the other medals that i hope they're fortunate enough to um be responsible for and telling yeah. the stories behind that but it belongs to so many other people he's the caretaker he wears it for them so that wow not lost 
to people. Wow, that is fantastic. That that just gives me goosebumps just to think about that because I, I remember seeing the pictures when when Britt handed it to Chris Cassidy and you know yeah. and and again gave that to the museum. But I love that I love that phrase of the the DNA of so many men is in that medal and and to be a, a good steward and a good caretaker of it and to give it so that it has a better visibility and people can see more of it and right. more people can see that. I love that. So we just had the groundbreaking for the museum yes, back in yes. March of this year. Uh, yeah. And so what are you most excited about when the museum finally opens its doors in 2024? Like, what do you want visitors to to leave knowing about Brit and all the recipients? Well, that's a hard one because, you know, there's yeah. so much going on behind the scenes right now. And just the... Uh, the makeup of our uh, our small team right now that's pushing the mute that's helping to develop the museum just we're all so dedicated to this mission everybody is all in we're all like wow and when those doors open i hope that the people the citizens that come in and out i hope they walk away going you know i hope this is a a, a, a species that becomes extinct i hope that we find mm. a way to not have more conflict to not have more incidents like this, where so much is laid on the line for freedom. Right. And then we can walk out of there going that there were great people, many great people that did many, many great things. Many stories are never gonna be told, right? I hope they walk out knowing that everything that they read about in that museum was an act of love. The covenant hmm. that's made between service members it's an act of love that I am not going to not be there for you. I'm going to be on your left or your right. I'm going to do everything in my power to bring you home. I want to bring you home alive. And that may not be the case, but I am going to maybe give my last full measure so that you can go and have all your tomorrows. And right. I'm willing to give up mine for the, for you. And it's just love. That's what that is. And that's what I hope people walk out of that museum, knowing that great love was ex um, exhibited um, during those terrible, terrible moments. And that great love continues to be exhibited well after that. Every day, right now, service members are taking care of each other. That's yep. a promise, a quiet promise. It's an act of love. It's a, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, you don't look so great today. Hey, this might be a little sketchy. Let's are we right here? You and I right here. Every day that happens. And we forget that. Like we go to yep. bed, we get up, we have our breakfast and, you know, tomorrow we might hear something crazy happen and you're like, whoa, but that's an act of love. And I hope people walk yeah. away knowing and the love that is being put into that museum to share with yeah, them. for sure. you and me and everybody else. So yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. No, that's, no, that's really good. Because I think a lot of, again, we talked about these taking things for granted, those moments and these these luxuries of freedoms that we have um, are are paved by by somebody else's bloodshed. So the fact that we can understand that that was a devotion to country and our fellow countrymen, and again, like you said earlier, people will never meet. So I, I love I love that you call this. It's almost like a love story, and that's and that's a really a, an alternate view to take at that. And I and I I really appreciate that perspective because. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Love of country, love of our values, love of our citizens, love of our service members and the people in the foxhole next to you. Yeah. And of course, speaking of love, let's go back to your husband. I'm not okay. asking you to air air dirty laundry or anything, but he okay. is a SEAL. He's an American hero. He's a retiree. He is your husband. But what do you want listeners to know most about Britt? Oh, well, he's a rather quiet fellow. 
Um, but mm -hmm. he has, uh, he's extremely kind and he has a great capacity for empathy. And, uh, you know, I, I go back and I, I tell him frequently, particularly when we get close to the anniversary of the action, I didn't know him then, but mm -hmm. he went back from my friend, my friend's husband, Neil was my friend. I spent Thanksgivings with him. When uh, Patty was out of town one day, he and I took the kids trick-or-treating. So he Aww. was my friend and he made that decision to go back to get his teammate, but he went back to get my friend mm -hmm. and he didn't have to, but that wasn't, that's not in his makeup that it was never a question. He always, I believe he always knew he was going back. He was not going to be the person to leave anybody behind. Right. Yeah. I don't think any Americans intentions to ever leave anyone behind. And it certainly wasn't right. going to happen on his watch. So he's got great love, great capacity for love, great empathy. He's actually quite funny that you have to um, get to know him before he kind of lets you uh, know his funny side. Um, he loves to ride um, um, an endure. We have a 1200 GSA BMW. He loves to ride his Enduro oh motorcycle. Gosh. It's great. I love, uh, it's a great bike and it's his, uh, his uh, good uh, release for him, but he's a quiet, good. he's a quiet person. And I think that's just, that's just in his character. That's just his DNA. Um, but he's a wonderful human being and he has quite um, a responsibility in front of him. He takes it very seriously and yep. he will spend the rest of his life making sure people know that there was so much more to that day than just his action. And, um, yeah, so that's fantastic. And, and, and again, you two are a great team. So I'm glad that he has you and I'm glad that you have him because, uh, thank God you were looking down your phone. You ran into him and told me he looked terrible, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how the universe conspires to, to bring our circles together when yes. they should come yes. together. So I, I love that. Ordinary and, uh, life, despite the tragedy. Um, extraordinary yep. life. And I'm very grateful. I'm very cognizant of it too. And I, I hope that through my small contribution at the museum, that it, it will long outlive me and that what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to know. Like your, your podcast, they will long. I mean, people, I was reading like everybody that you've taught. I'm like, Holy, those are some awesome people. Like, as are you. Well, thank you. But it's just wonderful to do this because it's, I don't ever want it to be lost. And that that's something that we we have a capacity to forget, right? We, we forget right. about certain things. And, you know, I don't, I don't want us to forget about yeah. the things that have happened in our life right. to our country, because once we forget, right. we tend to repeat and yep. we don't want, we never learn the lessons again. Yeah. But we'll learn we the lessons again, the hard way. Yes. And we don't want to do that, but it's been, it's a yeah. wonderful, I'm so excited. Every day I go to the office, I'm like, woohoo, what are we doing now? Let's curation <laughs> staff. I sit with the historians and the curators oh. and I am like, I lean, I'm like, what, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> when I roll my chair into their cubicle while they're having me, I'm just going to observe, but I have learned so much. I bet guys. And just, wow. 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 Good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that the museum, uh, the, that the artifacts and just the relationships are in hands like yours. Cause I love your energy and your enthusiasm and your passion. And again, I, I love the relationship that you and Britt share and the thank stories you. that you can both tell. Um, and again, I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast so you can share the amazing story of your life. Really and I know the museum is so grateful that you have entrusted, uh, you and Britt have entrusted 
the medal that he earned, and we can't wait to see it when the museum opens its doors in Arlington, Texas in 2024. If anybody's listening wants to learn more about the National Medal of Honor Museum, you can visit mohmuseum.org. And uh, Christina, can you tell us one more time the website, the, the acronym website for All In All The Time? AIATT.org. AIATT, All In All The Time.org um, to help the Gold Star families. And that will be uh, uh, it for us today. And I hope everyone will join us next time on Mission Inspire Podcast. Thank you.